November 2022 and WA Country Cricket is back in a big way all around regional Western Australia. And don't we celebrate that. My name is Rob Marshall and welcome to episode 13 of Out on the Paddock. And talking of the number 13, somebody who proudly wore that number on her back for most of her West Australian cricket career and is one of WA Country Cricket's most decorated women's cricketers, is our focus in this episode. Bustledon girl Avril Fay is our guest on today's episode. Many of you may say, who is Avril Fay? Well, I strongly encourage you to sit back now and hear her fabulous story. Episode 13 of Out on the Paddock. Out on the Paddock podcast is absolutely thrilled to have joining us today a, uh, a person that you may or may not know a lot about and that's what we're going to unpack today. Um, thank you for joining us on the uh, podcast, Avril Faye. Thanks, Rob. It's, um, it's a great thrill to, to be here. The thrill is all ours and uh, as I said a few moments ago, there's probably a lot of people tuning in right now who perhaps don't know a lot about Avril Faye and yet... Uh, I'm going to call it out. You've got one of the most amazing country cricket careers. Well, maybe you want to uh, sort of enlighten us where you're from. It's a question I love to ask. It's a question that it's not so much where you live now. Where are you from, Avril Faye? Well, Rob, um, I always call myself a Bustleton girl. So um, my parents, uh, my, my dad's a, a Perth boy. My mum's family is from the Wheatbelt. Um, and at the age of two, we moved from uh, training in the wheat belt down to Bustleton. My dad was a primary school teacher. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really blessed to be able to say that I grew up in one of the best places in the world on the beachfront in Bustleton. Absolutely. I um, once had the opportunity in a forum that I was involved in to say, what is the best place in the world to go to? And I nominated Geograph Bay in Bustleton. I'm, I'm a big fan. We've got a little place down there that we call our, our happy place. And it, it is just in my mind, I don't know why people go to Bali and all these other places. When you can go to Bustledon, it is absolutely the the gem of the world, in my opinion. So when you sort of got to Bustleton from training, so training, do you have any memories of Wheatbelt? I'm going with two years old, you probably don't, but uh, uh, mum's a training girl, is that right? No, no, my mum's a, a Corrigan girl, so I've got lots, lots of memories okay. of, of being out at my grandparents' farm in Corrigan. You know, as a my, my with my dad being a teacher, you know, often during the long school holidays, I'd be shipped off to the farm, which I think probably gave my mum and dad a, a bit of a break from the tennis ball banging against the the wall. But it was a great thrill. I had um, a number of cousins out that way, um, and I you know loved hanging out with them, riding the motorbikes, you know, playing out in the paddock, uh, you know, with my with my grandfather and, and my uncles um, and my cousins as well. Um, you know, they loved a bit of cricket. We kicked the footy. Um, we we rode skateboards. We did all the great things on the farm. So, yeah, not, not a lot to say about training, but courage and definitely. Um, mm-hmm. Great, great childhood memories um, being out in the wheat belt. Just the freedom of, of being on the farm was brilliant. And one of the one of the great cricket grounds in WA Country Cricket out at Corrigan, just quietly. Some um, been over the journey. Some um, international matches played there back in the day. Yeah, I, that's one of my um, first um, memories um, or great memories in cricket. Um, going out when the West Indies toured, um, I think it was in the eighties. I'm going to guess about 84, 85 maybe. Your, your, guess, your yeah. guess is spot on, 84, 85. Yeah, yep. and um, the, I think the WA Country 11 might have played against the West Indies. Um, yeah, it was a, a really great thrill. I think one of the, the, the my greatest memories of that day was standing next to Joel Garner and I don't think I, my top of my head even got to the top of his waistband. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that was that was pretty special. Um, I think the other um, special memory of someone who would have maybe been, you know, nine or ten was that there was actually a streaker. So um, I think that was a, that was a great thrill as well with the streaker going across the, uh, interrupting the match only very briefly. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm quite astounded that that's one of your memories. But anyway, 
<laughs> I must admit, uh, my my wife, who's uh, a cricket tragic, only because she's had to follow me my whole life. But uh, I think one of the memory that she brings up regularly is a, a streaker that we had in a local club match in in Bunbury once. So uh, there you go. It doesn't just happen in international matches. A bunch of blokes roaring up and down uh, the beach road in Bunbury. Obviously, one was up for a bet, and he ran out onto the ground. The roar from the half a dozen ladies that were there was quite impressive, actually. Now I come to think of it. So, yeah, uh, well, it's good. Yes. They're all great memories, you know, Rob. And I think um, I feel really blessed to have had that opportunity as a young kid to, to go and watch, you know, a team like the West Indies. They were right in their, their prime at that time. And to be able to have that sort mm. of um, experience out in country WA where, you know, there were utes everywhere, people were, were, were really in close, um, you know, really makes such a difference from the, the modern day now where it's quite sterile and you can't get within, you know, 50 metres of the players. Absolutely. We had our first ever episode of Out on the Paddock with, with Tuck Waldron, uh, who we might touch on a little bit later as well. But uh, Tuck, you know, obviously reminisced a lot about those particular matches. And it's one of the things that we probably mourn is that we don't have that anymore. Our Country 11 doesn't have that opportunity. Obviously, times have moved on and as you've just referenced, in a different world we live in now, but oh, how good were those days and, and my memories are very similar to yours about the legendary matches between the WA Country 11 and it may have been England or Sri Lanka or whoever was touring at the time. What I want to sort of dive into a bit now is your time in Bustleton and obviously your connection with WA Country Cricket you know, we're going to get to that the pointy end in a little while. The interim chair of WA cricket, you know, played Test cricket, played um, One Day Internationals. We'll get all into that, but the real origins of cricket have to start somewhere for all of us. And and for you, it was Bustledon. And do you want to tell us a little bit about how or where you first got a cricket bat in your hand and what and why cricket? What how did that come about? Yeah, Rob, I think I'm an accidental cricketer in lots of different ways. Um, as I said, my my parents. Um, you know, my dad wasn't a cricketer. Um, we weren't a cricket family. Um, he he was um, into sailing um, and sailed on Geograph Bay um, with the with the yacht club down there. And um, I think probably I fell into cricket because um, you know in the seventies, where we lived in Bustleton, um, there weren't many kids around. Um, and so my sister and I ended up playing a lot with the two boys next door. And um, they were footy mad, cricket mad, fishing mad, climbing tree <laughs> mad. Um, anything that they did, I got involved with as well. And um, their dad, um, Ian, was also pretty um, into cricket. And um, where we lived, out of out of Bustleton, sort of West Bustleton area, it's probably called Broadwater mm-hmm. now. But yeah, um, yep. you know, we lived on Geograph Bay Road, so we crossed crossed the road, crossed a park, and you're at the beach, and so. Um, Ian was pretty pretty keen for cricket as well and he actually made a cricket pitch in the reserve across the road which was a beautiful clay pitch, uh, a white clay pitch and, you know, if anyone rode their bikes across it or, you know, walked their dog across it and it had been raining, it'd be out there, you know, smoothing it off and making it <laughs> nice and flat. But it was just a half, half pitch in the middle of this reserve and so um, the boys, Matthew and Simon, um, would occasionally let me tag along. I was a little bit younger than them, but um, they had a lot of um, great battles with, with their friends um, and I got to join in occasionally. Um, my dad um, was a manual arts teacher originally before becoming a primary school principal and he did make me a cricket bat. It was pretty rudimentary. I think it was probably a, a piece of wood cut into, cut into the shape of a cricket bat. So although, although they were using proper cricket bats and balls, when I went out to have a hit, they'd get a tennis ball and let me have a little hit and they'd bowl underarm for me. So um, that's probably <laughs> where I, I got my love for it. Um, and, yeah, when I, you know, in kindergarten, I can remember playing cricket um, with all the boys. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that you can't really pinpoint when it was, but, you know, some of my earliest memories are playing cricket with Matthew and Simon and um, with this wooden bat that my dad had made. So, yeah, I, I then um, at primary school, um, my dad was the principal of Vass Primary and so... Uh, my first proper game of cricket where I got to wear white short, shorts and a white shirt and the long white socks 
was for the Vass Primary Second Eleven. I must have been maybe about oh, year five or year six. <laughs> um, and I got to play and I think I probably only got to play because my dad was the principal. Um, I was the only girl involved in the, in the game and um, from there on um, I got involved in junior cricket. I played uh, for a Dunsborough team and I played for a Bustleton team as well. And again, probably only because my dad um, was able to talk people into letting a girl play. I can remember one game that we played, Bustleton Senior High School had a concrete pitch out the back a long time ago and I can remember um, that my, I can remember my dad having a conversation with someone before the game about, no, no, she's allowed to play and she's going to play and I ended up taking three wickets in an over, um, which <laughs> probably upset the person that dad had had to argue with, but... <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it was a really different era, Rob, where um, yeah. girls weren't really encouraged um, and I'm even going to say probably weren't given permission to play. Um, mm. And I went through all junior cricket um, being the only girl. I went into high school being the only girl. And when I was about 14 or 15, a lot of the boys that I, were, I was playing with in the teams that I was in had started to progress to playing um, men's cricket. Um, yep. And, you know, at that time it wasn't appropriate for me to go and play men's cricket um, as a 14-year-old girl for, for many reasons. Um, so um, I can remember my dad ringing the whacker and saying, oh, I've got a daughter, where, where can she play? And I ended up at Subiaco Women's Cricket Club and um, it meant every every Saturday morning my mum would get in, our, in her little car and I'd go with her and we'd drive to Perth and I'd play C grade. Uh, for Subiaco mm. Women's Cricket Club in my, my colots and my long socks. Um, <laughs> stayed with my grandmother, my, my dad's mum who lived in Netherlands, um, and then we would drive home and we did that for a, a couple of seasons. Um, when I got into year 11, um, I then started to catch the bus. So um, I was very familiar with Southwest Coach Lines um, up, and, <laughs> up and down to Perth. My sister was at university at that point, so she'd come and pick me up from the bus and, and drop me off at Rosalie Park. Um, yep. And, yeah, so um, it was a long way away from, from those first games um, across the road in, in, in Bustleton, but that's the, probably the journey that I had to take at that time because there was no other opportunity for, for girls to play um, and no competitions to be involved in. We've been hearing, we, for those who haven't tuned in, I really recommend that you go back and have a listen to our previous episode of Out on the Paddock where we interviewed Shaney War, um, who has told a pretty similar story to yours, actually, around the, the fact that, you know, she, she started out with plenty of opportunities as a young girl playing with boys, but as the boys got bigger and older and stronger, that became really difficult. And in her case, it spiralled her off into a different sport, golf. Um, but in your case, you know, you stayed the journey, which is amazing. But when we look back at the 1970s, 80s, you know, so many challenges for girls to be able to make it in cricket. And we marvel at, you know, the Chloe Paparos from down this area and yourself who've gone the distance and continued to, to pursue that dream, that pursuit, I guess you'd call it, of trying to, to make it in in WA cricket and then even further honours, which, again, we'll get into in a moment. But I want to just uh, sort of circle back. Obviously, uh, we've been sort of through this podcast kind of trying to, and I'm going to continue to work my way around uh, regional Western Australia. We've had um, people from the Midwest. We've had um, people from, obviously, the Southwest and uh, also out into the Wheatbelt and, and the Great Southern. We haven't had anyone from the Goldfields yet, so I'm working on that one. Um, but Bustled and Margaret River, we haven't had anyone from Bustled and Margaret River region, so you're the first. Some amazing names that have come out of that region over the journey and, and I kind of associate Bustled and Margaret River with sort, sort of family dynasties. You've got the houses, which ironically, you mentioned Broadwater, that's that's where my uh, our holiday house is and it's next to Barry House these days, so I get to see Barry regularly. Um, the Morrises, and of course we know, so Gary was the name in cricket around that time from um, Bustle to Margaret River, and of course we now see his son Lance on the world stage, or certainly on the, the West Australian stage. 
And then, then we've got some other connections with women's cricket. We've got the Bresses. So we've got Emma Bresser coming through right now, who's got an outstanding talent from down there. And I'll call out her dad's not a you know, bad, old, bad old cricketer like me as well, but from back in the day. So some great names I could go on forever. Um, great battles for me over many, many years at Bustle to Margaret River. So in some ways, do you associate yourself still with that girl from Bustleton or did it sort of move on from there? Oh, no, definitely, Rob. Um, you know, you talk about Barry House. Barry House is, you know, my, he was a teacher, same as my dad, and I think um, Barry was probably one of those um, men that my dad probably twisted his arm and said, hey, you know, let my daughter play because Michael, uh, Barry's son, went to school with me. He was a year younger than me. So, you know, I'm very grateful for the influence of someone like Barry House um, and and for, for keeping me involved in the game. But, yeah, I definitely um, I'm really proud of the fact that I've come from where I've come from, you know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that I'm a country kid whose uh, foundation cricket came from community cricket in Bustleton. You know, I didn't go anywhere near the WACA until I was about 17. Uh, I think the first time I got picked to play for WA was as a, a 16, 17-year-old and we hadn't been, we didn't train at the WACA, we trained at Rosalie Park. Um, my first game of cricket I ever watched was at the WACA when I was about 17 as well. So th- wow. those roots that I have in country cricket are really important to me. And, you know, I still look out for, you know, what's happening in Bustleton and Margaret River. Um, you know, you talk about Emma coming from down up. Um, there's some other creators that have come through in recent times as well. So um, I, mm. I think we've probably we've we've underperformed at various times because I think there's some great talent coming out from that area um, in terms yeah. of of that transition through to to the next level. But um, as you say, there's you know there's a lot of hurdles for country um, for country players to get on talent pathways or the like. And um, you know I often reflect on the fact that. I can remember having the conversation with my parents about, you know, where am I going to play cricket next year because all the boys are moving up a grade and, you know, um, it was almost like an off-handed comment like, oh, I'll have to go and play in Perth and my mum said, all right, and my dad made the phone call. Like it wasn't a long campaign of, of arguments with them to make it happen Um you know, they were amazing. They just said yes. So, yep, I'm a busso, um, busso girl, really proud of that. Um, and, yeah, it's it's um, really important to me. Can I tap into that, your mum and dad? I mean, we hear stories of more so boys over the journey, I guess, but also, you know, I've mentioned a few girls, Chloe, et cetera, that have had to travel large distances over such a long period of time to try and make it to that next level perhaps or even just to enjoy the the ride of, of continuing to play cricket in your case. Uh, so mum and dad's names, Cheryl and Trin, Trin, Tr- Trinwin? That's right. Yep. They're, they're uh, obviously made a huge impact on your life, especially given that you've already called out that they weren't cricketers themselves or didn't necessarily have that in, in, their, in their background. Yeah, that's right. I think, um, I think to make it in, in any endeavour in life, you've, you've got to have a few good things going for you. You've got to be either supremely talented, uh, uh, ever persistent, um, and, and yes. I think also having great support. So, um, yeah. you know, my mum and dad, the, the financial impact for us as a family was probably quite significant. I don't think I recognised yeah. that at the time. Um, you know, a, yeah. a weekly trip to Perth um, during summer, um, I think my dad also didn't like the fact that my mum was down at Myers um, while I was out playing cricket. She was probably in going shopping. Um, uh, which, <laughs> Good on your mum. Yeah, which might have been why I ended up on the bus. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, to play for WA at that point in time, you still had to, to dig into your own pocket. Um, and, you know, they my first tournament that I debuted uh, for WA um, was in Adelaide. So that was a, a fairly hefty commitment for the family to, to pay for that. I was only 18. Um, and mum, mum and dad actually drove across as well to, to support and, and to watch. So, yeah, I think uh, you've, you've got to have you got to have a few things going for you. I don't think I was supremely talented, but I, the other two I had in spades. Well, I'm going to dispute that, uh, Avril Faye, because I just happened to have done a little bit of... Um, little bit of searching on your your career and it's uh, especially for Western Australia it's an extremely impressive one I'm going to call it out yeah I can already see you're a little bit embarrassed so I won't ask you to expand too much but I can because I because I can so uh, call it out you debuted in 1992-93 for Western Australia 
uh, and played all the way through to 2012. So that's nearly 20 years playing for, for Western Australia. Now, before I go on, wasn't always called the Fury, was it? No. So No. So, no. so when I first debuted, um, uh, we were still playing the uh, national championships. So you'd go away for 10 days or so, a um, bit similar, I suppose, to Country Week in lots of different ways. Um, and yes. we played a mix of um, two-day cricket and 50-over uh, cricket. Um, when the National League came in around 95, 96, I think, um, it might be 96, 97, um, the, uh, you know, it was decided to rebrand. So we all, all, all of the states took up a nickname and we became the Western Fury um, along with the New South Wales Breakers, the Vic Spirit, the South Australian Scorpions and the Queensland Fire. Um, and some of those states continue to take that sort of moniker or the nickname. Um, a number of years ago, Western Australia... Um, uh, WA Cricket decided to, to rebrand back to the original name. So I think that's when uh, the Western Warriors went back to being the West Australian team and, um, yeah, um, WA or Western Australia women's team rather than the Fury. Well, the yeah bit because obviously this isn't visual so nobody could see that. I just remembered, and this was not a setup, but on my desk here in, in uh, Eaton where my little uh, studio is, for a long time now, I have had a Western Fury bat and right smack bang in the middle of it, of, of they're all signed by the Western Fury team. I don't know what team this was. Peter Merrilies was captain at the time, Renee Farrell, uh, Nicole Bolton, Kate Burns, Renee Chappell, Sarah Fragamini, I think you would say it, and there is Avril Fay. So uh, pretty impressive little... Uh, memento I have here. I uh, picked that up somewhere and it sits prior to place in my uh, office, Avril. So um, I'll, I'll dig a little bit into your WNCL career because you're you're clearly not going to call it out yourself, but 124 matches. You, did, you captained WA 45 times. Now, you clearly preferred to bowl than bat, I'm guessing, from looking at a, a few statistics, but you did have a higher score of 62 not out. I'm sure you're pretty proud of that one. Um, but 93 wickets with a best of five for eight. Um, and so we might recall that one in a moment. Um, and we put a, a, a little bit of a focus over the, out on the paddock over the last few episodes about the importance of fielding. It's quite often forgotten in modern day, not forgotten, but certainly in country cricket, the emphasis is generally on how many wickets you've taken or how many runs you've made. But you took 37 catches across those 93 matches, so you're a, that's a fair, fair effort as well. So to explain to us and the listeners a little bit about Avril Fay, the cricketer, what was your, what, what was your strength, I suppose, is, is the question. So I think you've nailed it, Rob. I was a bowler, I bowled off spin. I think when when I was in my development as a cricketer, I was a, I think I was probably about twelve or maybe even eleven when um, someone said, "Oh, you should you should you should be a spinner," you know, because a lot of the boys were getting stronger and faster, and the team didn't really have a spinner. And so it was at that time, sort of went, "Oh, okay. So how do, how do you do that?" And someone showed me how to do it. Um, yeah, so I, I bowled off spin predominantly. Um, and I didn't really, um, I didn't really bat very much. Um, I, I think probably because um, I could practice bowling by myself in our backyard. You know, the driveway was pretty much well used. Um, I had a pair of um, steel stumps that my dad had manufactured for me, and so I could set, I could set them up, and I had my own little wicket area, pitch area, and I could bowl, and the dog would go and get the ball and bring it back as I walked back to my mark. So um, I was probably a better bowler from a very young age because that was something you could do by yourself, um, and I did that a lot. I, I probably drove my, my sister absolutely mental with the noise of the uh, cricket ball hitting the stumps and and, and whatever, um, but yeah, I'm taking your sister. Sister wasn't into cricket, not really. Um, although no. for her sins, uh, she had three sons who love the game, and, and she's a she's a WA cricket member now herself, and um, she loves Excellent. going to the um, to watch the test matches. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I bowled predominantly. Um, I got picked for WA as a bowler um, and batted right at the end. But, you know, when you play for 20 years like I did, Rob, you don't, you don't sort of survive if you've only got one skill. So I did actually enjoy batting. There were various times in, in, the, in my career where the West Australian side was pretty weak, so I batted a lot, probably batted every match. Didn't matter where I batted, <laughs> I probably got a hit. And towards the end of my career, I had a couple of um, injuries. I actually had to have my spinning finger reconstructed. I, I tore a ligament, um, or actually didn't tear it. I wore it away bowling um, uh, my office. So um, towards the end, I probably batted more than I, I bowled, and I uh, would often bat, you know, four, five, six. It was one of those things where you know I just loved the game. Um, being the captain, I could often field in in the slips or in the gully. Um, I liked also fielding it mid-on and mid-off to be able to talk to the bowlers. So, you yeah. know, I wasn't having to do too much chasing on the boundary. But, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it, I really enjoyed my career for, for WA. Um, we weren't that successful. We really only had one opportunity to to, to, to play in the finals. Um, and we were, you know, came second, which was disappointing. But uh, it was a long career. Um, for the majority of it, it was um, really good. And I've still got some really lifelong friends that I, I played with over that time. Yeah. And, and um, you know, again, reflecting on the, the, the signature bat that I just read out, you know, there's some names on there that probably went on, such as Nicole Bolton, for example. Um, clearly you had some influence there and was able to, to, yeah, as you say, perhaps not enjoy the successes for WA at that time, but you must have sat back in recent years and just smiled at the incredible success the WA uh, women's team has had in, in all the formats, including obviously the Perth Scorchers. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I was in, in Sydney for the um, final that WA won a few years ago and um, I was, you know, obviously a very emotional time to, to, to be there for the win um, and you sort of don't, you don't sort of realise how important it is until you actually experience it. Um, and yeah. certainly there were lots of tears with the players, but certainly, um, yeah, there were a lot of tears on the sideline as well. Yeah, I think I might have seen a tear in Christina Matthews's eyes as well, just quietly. But absolutely, uh, that, that she, she may deny that. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> you you then reach the ultimate, the absolute ultimate. Uh, cap number 130 for Australia, debuted against New Zealand in, in February of 1995, got to play in six tests. Now, people might say that's oh, not many tests, but it's not as if the women's, even back then, were playing huge test series every week, were they? So um, I'm sure you, you really value those. Do you remember much about your debut against New Zealand? Yeah, I do. Um I was I was probably um, I was really lucky um, in lots of ways, Rob. I was in the right place at the right time. Australia had um, uh, the year before um, had a really um, I suppose unexpected outcome where they had lost um, a World Cup. They had I don't think they'd even made the finals, and and the team had had a few retirements. And when I got picked in that squad to go to New Zealand. I think there were seven or maybe eight players in that squad that had not yet played for Australia. So there was a really mm. um, big rebuild and um, uh, we had a coach, his name was John Harmer, who had actually said, look, we're, we're building up for a, a World Cup in India in 97. We want to do better at that World Cup than we've done at the, and the one that's just happened. So he sort of said, you know, I want the three best fast bowlers, I want the best leg spinner, I want the best off spinner, give me the best keeper you've got and, and the rest need to bat really well and so I was lucky at I think I was 20 maybe 21 I was I was the offie um I mm. was probably uh not ready to play at that level um I think it's fair to say Rob I probably couldn't run out of, out of sight on a dark night in terms of my physical preparation <laughs> but I got on that trip and that trip was a um a one day series of uh, three three ODIs followed by the test match and I don't think I was even 12th for the ODIs. I might have been 13th. Um, but when it came to the test match, um, I got an opportunity which was um, really unexpected. Um, I really felt a bit out of my depth, to be frank. Um, my first roomie on that trip was actually Christina Matthews. So, um, wow. <laughs> my, that was her. The irony. Yeah, that was her last tour and it was my first tour. So, um, I mm. feel um, a great privilege in being able to say that. that Christina's last match for Australia was my first. Um, yeah. 
And, yeah, we, we played at Hagley Park in, in Christchurch. Um, I had... I was really, it was really cold and I had my um, uh, fleecy cable knit jumper on, I think, and my vest and we batted first and we, um, I think we batted first. Were you still toting the long socks at that time? Yeah, definitely, yep. yeah. It was, it was not not a great look, Rob. Um, but um, <laughs> that game was a draw um, because uh, I think uh, one of the New Zealand girls who was my age as well had debuted, and I think she made about 160. But um, it was a great experience. I didn't take a wicket. Um, it was actually um, – I, I can't even remember how many overs I bowled, but I can just remember feeling like the thrill of it and just knowing that, you know, I, my baggy green and if, yeah. if nothing else and if it never happens again – I can always yep. say that um, I'd played cricket for Australia and I'd played a test match yeah. for Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I won't tell you how green with envy I am right now, but uh, what an amazing achievement. And you you, you did take a few wickets uh, in in those test matches with a best of two for 37, but I've got to call it out. You, uh, you probably then started to excel more in the one-day game from what I can see. So 40 ODIs, cap number 81 for Australia in the ODIs. Um, 37 wickets at a very healthy and admirable average of 21 and a best of three for 11. And I, I couldn't quite um, pick it up, but uh, I'm not sure if you got a gig or not, but you were part of the uh, Australian World Cup runners-up runners squad in 2000. So um, uh, pretty that must have been a pretty special thing to be involved with. Uh, probably not the 2001 where we, we came second, Rob, but I was part of the 97 World Cup in India. Um, right, where okay. we, we actually won. So um, after that first test match in New Zealand, um, I was in the Australian team for the next um, five or six years, um, but I actually didn't make my ODI debut for another um, season and a half. So the following mm-hmm. year we had a series against New Zealand and um, I ran, ran the drinks the whole whole trip, which, you know, was probably – gave me a lot of um, learnings off the field to be able to see how everybody else went about it. I, you know, learnt a lot about the game. I started to understand myself a bit better in terms of what I needed to do to play. And then uh, I had a chance to go and play in England for six months and I played just um, club cricket in England. And when I came back, I I, I forced my way into the side and I stayed in the side then until I, I finished in 2001. But... Yeah, I think the, the World Cup in India was was probably where I got to deliver on the promise from that first selection. Um, and, you know, we played um, in India, um, you know, at some of the big grounds. Um, we played at some pretty rubbish grounds as well, Rob, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I, I was the sort of off-spin bowler that, you know, I would tie them down. I didn't take a lot of wickets, but I would, you know, keep the run rate down while they took bowling in partnerships with the, with the bowlers at the other end. So to win uh, a World Cup in India was pretty special. We played in front of about 60,000 people at Eden Gardens in wow. Calcutta. And, yeah, I, I don't think you could wipe the smile off my face for about two or three years after that because um, yeah. it was it was almost like all of that frustration of not being in the side, having to work really hard to get in, it all sort of paid off um, with that opportunity, which was, was just brilliant. And, you know, about six months later, we followed that up with a three-test tour to England. So uh, the ultimate dream, Rob. You, you, you take nine weeks off from your, your, your nine to five job and you tour England and you play three test matches against England. You play five one-day internationals against England. Um, we played three ODIs against Ireland as well. It was just, um, if you talk about living the dream, uh, that was pretty much it. You, um, you you need to have a chat to Mr and Mrs Wikipedia because they call out your highlight as being a runner-up player in the 2000 World Cup, not the 97. So uh, yeah. you need to, need to maybe send it a little uh, message on that one, I reckon. Well, well Rob, well, it, I, I just said I didn't take wipe the smile off my face probably for three years from 97, but that then took us to 2000 when we lost and I... I don't think he took the frown off my face for another three years after we came second. So, um, yeah, it's quite a, a little bit disappointing. But when I when I look now at the Australian team and I see how successful they are and how they um, go about their business, I feel really, um, yeah, I, I, I feel with with pride about the fact that 
you know, that's part of the legacy that I leave in, in, in the fact that I um, was a World Cup winner, uh, played in World Cups and, um, yeah, we're, we've got a very strong and, and proud history. You certainly have and I, I want to sort of jump into that also in a few moments and talk a little bit about your post-international and, and uh, state career and, and where you find yourself now still heavily connected with that in many ways. But just, just sort of before we do and to, to wrap up, the journey, are you also satisfied that you gave everything that you could give in your career? I mean, by the sounds of it, you felt at times that you were probably a little bit on the on the edge, but you certainly gave everything you could give, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, I, as I said, um, I, I don't ever think that I was a supremely talented athlete. Um, I was pretty tenacious um, and, and really willing to work hard. Um, I had a lot of coaches over the time who worked hard with me and, you know, did so with no payment or, or anything like that. You know, if someone said, you know, you need to run around the block five times to, to play for Australia or I ran around the block five times, five times yeah. um, to be able to do yeah. that. So um, I, I think my, my Australian career um, I'm really proud of. I, I don't think I could have played better for longer and, you know, I'm exceptionally proud of my career with WA Cricket. I think that to be able to play for 20 seasons, to be able to overcome a few a few personal hurdles during that time, um, during my time playing cricket for, for WA, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes mid-season, mm. which was um, mm. a little bit traumatic but I didn't miss a game, well, except for the game where they took, they dragged me off to hospital. But, mm, yeah, wow. it's, it's one of those things where you look back and you go, do you know what? I wouldn't have changed a thing. And, um, yeah, I absolutely mean that. Yeah. I, I noted you mentioned about your diabetes and, and is that something that you've had to continue to, to try and work through through your, the rest of your life and, and continue to do so today? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I, I have type 1 diabetes, so there's no cure for that. So um, I'm dependent mm. on insulin um, that I have to um, have injected into me. It's it's a, it's a um, one of those things that you just get on with it. Rob. Um, and so um, it was a little, as I said, it was a bit traumatic to be diagnosed. I was actually playing with the WA side in Melbourne. Um, we played the played the Saturday. Sunday morning I woke up and I just, I was really cooked. And um, it was it was really interesting. I'd, I'd not been in, out of the Australian team very long and I'd been contemplating really working hard trying to get back into the Australian side. Um, I was 27, 28 at the time. And I actually a lot of things started to, to feel like they were going wrong. I was losing weight. My skin folds were down and, you know, um, I was feeling really tired but I was working really hard and, um, you know, it wasn't until we got to, to Melbourne and I was diagnosed and in hospital that I realised that I'd, I'd lost about 15 kilos in about five weeks. Wow. And, yeah, I was Jeez. really, really quite in a bad way. But um, in lots of ways the diagnosis was a good thing in terms of I understood why I was feeling so rubbish. <laughs> um, mm. And it also... Mm gave me something to think about outside of cricket and you know we have a family history of diabetes so I sort of knew what I was knew, knew what I was in for but yeah I got back to the game pretty quickly and my teammates coaches um, were fantastically supportive and yeah it's it's going to be something that I deal with for the rest of my life Rob but mm. at the same time it, it's probably another source of pride for me to be able to say that you know, I achieved yeah. everything I did, even though that I, I had this this thing that that I've got to deal with. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard enough to just have a career at the level you did, trying to maintain energy levels and and whatnot. Normally, to have diabetes and to be able to deal with that as you did is is extra amazing. In, in certainly from my perspective. Want to just start to now talk a little bit about life after cricket for you, and in particular, you move into cricket administration and the and the role you currently play. I, you know, in a conversation I had with you prior to to us recording, and some just some some knowledge that I have, I know that you've had a a bit of a passion in the isn't the right word, but a bit of a a, a thing, if we want to call it that, about negative attitudes towards diversity in cricket and obviously that includes a long period of time where there's been a lot of negativity around women's cricket. Is that something that kind of has driven you to continue to stay in cricket and to try and see see that 
that wrong rectified? Would I, is that fair enough? Look, I think I think I'm I'm passionate about being involved, Rob, because um, I know how much I've got out of the game, and I know how much I've enjoyed um, playing, uh, watching, being a volunteer at my own club, coaching others, um, and so I stay involved because. I want to be able to give that opportunity to others. You know, without people doing that for me, I would not have achieved what I've achieved. You know, we have had, you know, throughout my whole life, there's there've been people who have said, no, no, you can't play, no, you can't do this. Um, mm. And in in lots of ways, you know, I want to change that that dialogue, and I want I don't want anyone to be out there thinking that cricket is not a place for them. That it's not a it's not a safe place for them, and and whether that be little girls or little boys, um, whether it be um, Aboriginal kids um, out in the bush or people who um, have other challenges in life, I want to make sure that everybody gets an opportunity to play our great game. And um, yeah, you know, I, I can remember my mother having a conversation with someone who said, oh, aren't you worried about your daughter playing cricket? You know, there's lots of lesbians that play cricket. I, mm. I didn't even know what a lesbian was at that point, Rob. So it was like, mm. what, what's, mm. what, what is mm. all of this negativity? And I, and I think, you know, it's 2022 and our mm. sport really needs to reflect the society that we live in. And I, I think for, for people that want to restrict access and want to say that there is no place for diversity in our game, you know, that, that is what I'm quite passionate about challenging because I love mm-hmm. it and I love the smiles on young women's, young, young boys' faces when they, yep. when they get to participate. And, you know, I was lucky. I had, I had passionate parents that wanted me to do everything that I wanted to do. I've recently been down to help out at the over 40s women's side that's getting ready to go away yes. for their first yep. <clears throat> competition um, in Geelong. Super excited about exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, and, and some of those yep. women said, I was never allowed to play. Yep. And I just think, oh, yep. we've, got to, we've got to change that, Rob. We've got to change yep. it because it's a yep. great game. Great call, yeah. And, and again, echoed by some of the the, the commentary that Shaney brought in our last episode around that as well, you know, having to an expectation that it was fine to go and play another sport like golf, but cricket just wasn't, you know, the accepted thing mm. in, a, in a similar area. So mm. great call-outs there. Uh, the other thing I want to sort of just call out too is that, you know, cricket has cost you a lot, not just personally from the perspective you just spoke about, but just financially, basically most of your career playing in an era where you weren't, paid or, or <laughs> minimally paid at best, but also the volunteering role that you've continued, which we, we're going to talk a little bit about at the moment. And and certainly this is probably a shout out to every volunteer, especially in WA regional cricket, you know, the, the commitment that a lot of people put in to allow, you know, the types of people you've just spoken about play cricket on a, on a daily basis out in the bush somewhere is something that inspires me and has certainly made me want to to give back as much as I can as well. I'm just in awe of volunteers in local country cricket. It is just something that inspires me and I'm, I'm guessing must have had an impact on you because you've gone on to do that yourself. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the roles that you do now play in WA at WA Cricket? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, I've been involved with the Female Cricket Council probably for nearly a decade and a bit. I was always a volunteer at my own club, getting involved either in coaching or on the committee. And when uh, the Female Cricket Council was established, um, I joined not long after after that at the WACA. Through that Female Cricket Council, which I'm now the chair of, Peter Sillinger, our, our chair for the last decade, retired um, at our AGM this year. So, you know, he, he was a fantastic volunteer and I've learned so much from him. I'm now the chair of the Female Cricket Council. I also sit on statewide game development committee on behalf of uh, the Female Cricket Council and that's a really positive, engaging group of the whole cricket ecosystem. Country Cricket Board's got a, a seat on that as has uh, Community Junior Cricket um, Council, uh, Aboriginal Advisory Cricket, Education Advisory Cricket, District Cricket, 
um, Cricket West, we're all there talking about the game, talking about how we can continue to move it forward. And I am the Statewide Game Development Committee's representative on the on the WA Cricket Board. So I've been elected from that committee uh, three times onto the WA Cricket Board. So I've been on the board for eight, eight years now, which has been a fantastic opportunity for me in my post playing days to stay involved and to try and help influence and, and make uh, WA Cricket a great place to be. Um, and might, might jump in at that point. There may be a lot of people listening in who don't, I'm glad you've explained it, that might not understand about the Statewide Game Development Committee. And in particular, you called out that WA Country Cricket does have a presence on that. So it's a really important committee. It influences a lot of what happens in, in WA cricket across the board. So for, especially for country listeners listening in, you know, if you, you sometimes think that maybe country doesn't have a voice, it, it really does. And if you weren't aware, our representative on that board is a, a, a an outstanding man by the name of Michael Palethorpe. Um, Mike is uh, come, hails from my old hometown of Harvey, so uh, I'm a fan, obviously, but... Uh, he um, he does an outstanding job, has a, a very high role in, in sports chaplaincy here in Australia, but um, certainly WA Country Cricket has a voice and um, and certainly, you know, it helps that uh, a girl from Bustledon might be also involved there as well. So. Oh, absolutely, Robin. I think that I, I really enjoy that committee. Um, you know, in, a, in its current format with the current representatives, we are very collaborative and collegial. So we talk a lot about the issues that we're seeing in our game. I suppose one of the examples last year, um, d- during COVID really, there were lots of discussions around poor behaviour of, of players and officials. Mm. Um, you know, mm. a lot of lot of tribunals over abuse to umpires and, and abuse, and and that committee worked together. We talked a lot about what we could do to try and improve that, and um, really trying to try and help solve some of the problems that we see in our game. And so, yeah, I think the statewide game development um, committee is a really valuable part of how we. We work together and, and, and try and make sure that um, our game stays strong. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so being, being on the board for, for eight years um, means that when something like um, what happened recently with um, the, the unexpected resignation of Tuck Waldron, who was our chair, um, you know, really, really disappointing circumstances in lots of ways, Rob. Um, mm, you know, Tuck, mm. Tuck resigned unexpectedly, um, you know, citing um, mental health concerns, really brought about by um, the pressure that he was under as the as the WA Cricket Chair. You know, he shared with, with me and the board that, you know, he'd had, had a number of quite negative um, interactions with, with members and, you know, that had really worn him down over a period of time. And, um, you know, um, Tuck's a great bloke. He is re- he was really hard working in his role as the chair and I've got a lot of admiration for him. There would be numerous times where I'd be at different events or, or cricket matches and I'd turn around and Tuck would be there and I'd be like, what are you doing here, Tuck? You know, and he, he would yeah, just be there because yeah. he wanted to be there, not because he had an mm. official capacity, but he, he wanted to come down and support. So... Um, with yep. with Tuck needing to step away for his own health and well-being, I was elected interim chair, and I've been in that role now for about five five or six weeks, which has been quite challenging to be to to be frank. You know the the negative interactions. Um, you know I I got, a, I got I've I've had a little bit of that as well. And it, yeah, it's really disappointing that we've had we've had a small number of individuals out there who feel that. You know, they own cricket and their view of the world is that they own cricket and I, I certainly respect their, their right to their to their own views, but I don't agree with their views. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty keen to continue the, the journey that we are on with WA Cricket. We should be so proud of some of the stuff that we've achieved, particularly in the mm-hmm. last year, Rob. Um, you know, if you look mm-hmm. at our trophy cabinet at WA Cricket, we've got uh, four out of the five. Got them all. Four out of the five yeah. trophies we could win, um, including the first Shield victory in twenty three seasons. So, um, yep. Yep. You, you've got to love that. Um, we've also navigated uh, COVID particularly well from a financial perspective. You, you can't underestimate how difficult that's been financially for for 
for us. Um, the biosecurity costs, trying to keep cricket going, the loss of funding from Cricket Australia, who were also financially challenged, the fact that we were able to continue through the season, that the, um, the programs kept going, that we were still able to do almost everything that we wanted to do, you know, it's just a, a testament to... to the fact that so many things are going right and um, our management's fantastic. And that's where I might jump in. I'm going to jump in and just say that um, and this is this is as much official as it is as much from my heart. As, as chair of WA Country Cricket, the, the leadership, the phenomenal leadership of the WACA board, now known as WA Cricket, uh, led by Tuck Waldron during the pandemic for the majority of the pandemic, Pandemic. We're not calling out that we're even out of it yet, but uh, we're at least somewhere on the other side. And along with CEO Christina Matthews, from a WA country cricket perspective, I was obviously heavily involved with that, understanding the budgetary cuts. I want to tell those who are tuning in in WA country cricket, we are so fortunate to have had the leadership that we've had over the last three or four years in particular to be able to ensure that we in WA Country Cricket have programs and have the ability to continue to play cricket almost without interruption, without any dramas that we've seen in other states. I'm not suggesting we didn't have some, you know, some interruptions and, you know, a few of our events. Um, I know personally the WA Country uh, Masters Carnival that we've developed over a long period of time. We had to shut that down last year, which was really difficult. But from a funding point of view, despite some cuts, we never saw any axing of any of the WA Country team um, that support country cricket out in the in the regions. Our country managers, our cricket managers, it was absolutely outstanding leadership during that time and yet if you've got some time go and have, go and check out how Victoria went during the same period with country cricket uh, won't go into it but go and check it out it's not the same result as we've had here in in Western Australia so we we obviously um, are saddened by Tuck's scenario he, he is the legend of WA country cricket not many people will dispute that um, and and we, we are saddened. Um, but ha- having said that, having just had a few interactions with him, he's now in a, in a great space and he's, um, he, he's moving on in, in his life. And, and we champion the fact that you've taken that role on Avril and thank you for your willingness to do that. And uh, obviously what plays out from here is, is your call. And uh, I guess the main thing I wanted to do was to ensure that you need to know that you have the full support of WA Country Cricket um, in, in your position as interim chair. Um, and that was called out as recently as our, our most recent WA Country Cricket Board meeting. So really excited about the fact that you're in the role where you take that. That's, uh, that's something that you're no doubt working through and, and we're really excited to know that WA Country Cricket is in great hands, sorry, WA Cricket is in great hands with, with yourself as the interim chair and, and Christina in the role still as CEO who is in my opinion, easily the, the best administrator in, in cricket in, in Australia. But that's my opinion. People can uh, debate that with me as, if they want. Let's have a quick chat about the fact that you are also now a selector for the WA, uh, for the women's national team. And um, you've just come off uh, before we, we jumped on air having to watch a few women's BBL matches to keep an eye on a few players and whatnot. Is that a, a, um, a role that you enjoy doing? Oh, absolutely, Rob. I think, um, I think when, when, I've, when I um, was coming towards the end of my career, I actually had the opportunity to be involved in the youth selection panel. So my first opportunity to be a selector was when I was still playing um, and I was involved in picking the Australian um, uh, junior sides. Um, and, and when I retired, um, I was invited to apply to be um, to join the national selection panel. And um, so I've been doing that since um, since 2013, 14. Um, and mm. it's it's wow. it's so good, Rob. Like I enjoy. I enjoy having to watch the cricket closely. Um, I, I have enjoyed the evolution of the game, particularly with the introduction of the WBBL over the last couple of years and and to stay so close to, you know, the innovation and the changes that are happening um, really, really scratches the itch for me around staying involved. 
you know, I'm not the sort of player like yourself, Rob, that, you know, wants to go and get the kit out and dust it off and put it on and play. Um, my, <laughs> my playing days are well and truly over, absolutely, full stop, underlined. So, so should mine be if you ask a few blokes <laughs> around the place, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, to be able to still be involved so closely and to have a role with, with the Australian team is is um, a great thrill and um, I I love the recent Commonwealth Games where um, mm, our team mm. played. Uh, there's a few nervous moments, obviously, and, and I enjoy having that nervousness that comes with being so heavily invested. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's great. And, and what I really um, enjoy is, you know, you go, you go to some of these junior tournaments, you might go to the under-19s under or you, you, you see some kids when they're 16, 15, 16, and then you, you think about where they might be and what their attributes are and where they might be in five years' time, and it's been great to be able to see that. So if we're talking about the Perth Scorchers, I can remember seeing a young Alana King and thinking about, mm. oh, you know, she's got a really good wrist position. She puts a lot of fizz on the ball. You know, if we could <laughs> wind back the sunnies and, and the and the like, she, you know, she might be something, but um, she's proven us all wrong. <laughs> she's still got the sunnies going, but uh, she's Love she's it. delivered on, on, on the potential that I remember seeing um, when she was probably only 17 or 18. So um, yeah. I really enjoy that. Um, and, yeah, it's, um, it's something that uh, will probably um, keep me sustained for a little bit longer. Well, you must be super proud because I call it all the time. I'm unabashed in saying that somebody tell me, anybody who's tuning in right now, if you want to send me a message or whatever, tell me tell me a team anywhere in world sport right now as dominant and as good as our women's cricket team. It is just phenomenal. You know, Healy, Mooney, Perry, Sutherland, Gardner, these names, King now, you know, they're just... They are at the top of their game and I'm struggling to find any team in any sport who can, you know, they don't always dominate but they'll always find a way. They just seem to find a way like they did in the Commonwealth Games and a few other events of recent times. So you must be extremely proud to, you know, play a role in those selections and really looking forward to to seeing the ongoing evolution of women's cricket at that level but also... As we start to sort of wind this down, you know, it, it's now flowing down into into great competitions. You know, Shaney War called out the the competition that's you know up and running in Bunbury right now, um, and in different parts around regional Western Australia. I, I saw some footage from a game last night where the Borough Cup Cricket Club fielded its first women's team, you know, ever. And it was just pure joy to watch. So um, real excitement in women's cricket right now. Oh, absolutely, Rob. Um, I came down to to Bunbury at the end of last season. Um, There was a um, mini competition, I think, Bunbury Districts, uh, Eton. I think there was um, players maybe even from from Bustleton involved. yeah, it was. I was so thrilled, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they played at a ground where I'd actually played school cricket for Bustleton Senior High School, and I was the wow. only girl in in you know out of the the twenty two players that day. And to see you know a couple of games going at once, um, a, a team on the sideline waiting to for the next round of fixtures to be able to come in. Uh, I, I'm just so thrilled for the opportunities that that Country Cricket Associations are starting to provide for. Um, senior women, but also um, the junior feeder competition. So, um, you know, the Southwest needs to be really proud of what they're doing. Geraldton as well is showing a lot of leadership in that space. Um, We know that down in the Great Southern that they've got things happening as up um, Mm. to up in the the Pilbara. So, um, you know, more Mm. power to these country cricket associations. Um, I know that there are probably people out there who are worried about infrastructure and do we have enough nets and wickets and coaches and volunteers. But, you know, Kevin Costner said, you know, if they if you build it, they will come and, and, and they, come. they are coming <laughs> and they are coming to play. They're coming to be involved. They're coming to, to be volunteers as well. So um, I think we, we all win when we are opening up our game to more people. Fantastic. And, of course, 
we've called it out several times, our Women's Country Week, which is coming up again in March next year. And I know I sat with you in a grandstand a couple of years ago up in Geraldton and, and we watched, um, you know, some amazing cricket being played. So, so much for, for country women's cricket. And to the guys out there, you know, and many are doing it, but I'm going to encourage more and more, get around it. It's an exciting thing to be part of and to, to be able to say you played your role in the development of that as well. We have to finish, sadly. We have to finish, but I, I can't... I, I finish every episode of Out on the Paddock with what I call the super over, six deliveries. I get to bowl to you, okay? Um, I, I'm, I'm a bit nervous about this. Six quick questions, you, quick answers if you want, okay? Um, so let's kick off with my first delivery to you over the right arm over the wicket. Um, first car. What did you? What was your first ever I car? I had a yellow uh, hatchback. Um, it was branded Datsun on the inside, but on the outside yeah. it was branded Nissan. So oh. uh, a little manual uh, yellow hatchback, which was great because my cricket kit fitted in the boot. Beautiful, absolutely. Well, just quietly, my first car was a Datsun 180B. So there you go. Um, Favourite ground to play cricket on ever? And you're allowed to say Bovell or Barnard down at Bustledon if you want to, but if you don't want to, you can go whatever you like. Uh, well, I've had the great thrill of being able to play at Lords and Eden Gardens in Calcutta. Um, I played at the MCG, um, but I'm going to say uh, the Wacker. I loved playing yeah. at the Wacker. Um, I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah, I still, <laughs> every now and again I cheat, Rob, and I walk across the Oval um, when I have to go to meetings and I still love it. Get a thrill, wouldn't it? Yeah, as good as Optus Stadium is, the Wacker will always be the home of cricket, I think, for most of us. Um, and that's no disrespect to Beauval or Barnard, by the way. Fabulous grounds down there, especially the redevelopment of Barnard, a magnificent facility down there in Bustledon. Okay, favourite cricketer in world cricket right now, in in women's cricket? Um, and, and and take off your selector's hat. Just who, who, who do you love to watch? Who, who, who yeah, not, not that she's playing like it just at the minute, but my favourite cricketer to watch is the Perth Scorchers captain in Sophie Devine. Um, yeah. I've been um, able to watch her firsthand um, a number of times and I just love the way she goes about it. She's um, She takes it very seriously but not too seriously, if that makes sense. Great leader too and uh, brought us home a, a trophy last year as well. Okay, I know you're a wine collector. So for the listeners on on right now, give us a wine. Give us your what's your number? What are you drinking at the moment? What's your number one wine that you're going to sit down to have some tea in in a short time with? Oh well, it, it's you know being a, being a Bustling girl that sort of went to school in the Margaret River wine region. You know it's hard to go past some of those down in that area, but. Um, I would say right now that, that some of the great southern wines are what I'm drinking. So uh, single yeah. file is one of my favourites. So um, um, yep. I might sneak a, um, you know, a, a Cabernet from, from single file for dinner. Nice. Okay. And if you, you're out to tea, what, what, what's, the, what's the meal that goes with the wine? What's your, what's your go-to meal? Oh, if I'm going out for dinner, Rob, I'm, I'm going to order the fish. I know that's probably not meant to be right. going with the Cabernet. I'm with you. But, Absolutely. But I, um, I, I, I really enjoy eating fish. I didn't like it as a kid. I always thought it was a bit like cat food. But <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I loved fishing <laughs> off the jetty, but I wouldn't eat any of it. But um, I, I'm not a great cook um, of fish. Um, I can do it a great roast or whatever. So if I'm going out and someone else is doing the cooking, I'm ordering the fish. All right. And we're, we're at um, ball number six now. You've as, six, a, as six, to six to win. Six to win. Six, six to win. This, this is absolutely the one that's going to win the match or not. Clearly the question that we all want to ask following this amazing uh, session we've had with you, Avril Faye. The question is... In world women's cricket right now, should they bring back the long socks? No. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I can remember the first time we wore pants and there were a few few old timers who put their hands on their hips and just said, I'm never wearing pants, but it, I didn't take any convincing the, uh, the the brown knees and, and the white legs um, that suntan was was never going to be in fashion. So, yep, 
No way, Jose. <laughs> okay, so it's a no to the long socks. I'm sure uh, most of the women in world cricket right now are cheering along with you on that one, I'm absolutely. guessing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, mind you, I grew up in a world in boys' cricket where we wore the white shorts, so we weren't much far off it, and the, the socks did come up a little way up onto the ankles, by the way, but, uh, yeah. Errol Fay, it has been... My absolute pleasure, and I'm I'm guessing that those who've tuned into this episode would say thank you. Thank you for not only uh, sharing with us today um, your journey, uh, your journey in, in cricket in particular, but also thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you for your your, your volunteering heart, your willingness to, to step up with um, the sad um, moving on um, of, of Tuck in particular in recent times. We wish you all the very best and, uh, again, want to call out that, that support that we have for what you're doing and the way you're going about it. Thanks for joining us today on, on Out on the Paddock. Thanks, Rob. It's, it's been a great thrill and, and thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me and thanks for everything that you do too for cricket. Um, without strong leaders like yourself, Rob, um, cricket wouldn't be where it is now. So thanks very much for having me. Cheers, Avril. What an inspiration, what a legend. Thank you, Avril. Your journey in playing cricket and now administering cricket is one that we in WA Country Cricket are very proud of. The girl from Busso. It's been a delight to hear from you in this episode, Avril. And as we wrap up today's episode, we want to encourage you as our listeners and thank you for tuning in again but to stay connected with WA Country Cricket through our website, www.ccb.wa.cricket.com.au or you can just Google WA Country Cricket Board and also via our Facebook site. If you aren't following us on Facebook, we really encourage you to do so. We keep up to date with some really important information that is coming out through WA Country Cricket and we've got some really important recent posts about Senior and Junior Country Week for 2023, which we really encourage you to go and check out and become, again, engaged with. My name is Rob Marshall, and as always, long live WA Country Cricket. Listener.